Welcome, friends, to this episode of Peak Curiosity. My name is Abigail. Today's interview is with Ammon Bundy. Ammon is a family man, businessman, and is currently running for governor of Idaho. If you give a quick Google search of Ammon Bundy, the first sentence of his Wikipedia page is, quote, Ammon Bundy is an American anti-government militant and activist, end quote. The news articles describe him as, quote, far right, end quote, which of course is just anyone who isn't a socialist at this point. A lot of Idahoans think they know who Bundy is, but I would humbly suggest that you don't. The same media and government that has lied repeatedly about issues like Russiagate and coronavirus are the same people telling you to be afraid of Bundy. As one can expect, Bundy has a different view of himself. He is not anti-government, and he's not, quote, far right. So now it's his word against theirs. I found him to be quite likable as a human, which for someone running for a political position is hard to pull off. I think his goals as governor are quite admirable, for example, ending abortion in Idaho, even if admittedly hard to accomplish. However, he could be completely lying too. So you make the decision for yourself and don't let the news bully or manipulate you into making the decision they want you to make. If you find this episode interesting in the least, I would encourage you to share it with someone you know who lives in Idaho. You can go to his website to read his full plan for Idaho at votebundy.com. There you can also hear his side of the, quote, controversies he's been a part of. Now for a quick announcement, I have a new website. If you're new to this podcast, you can see I have quite a few episodes already covering quite a lot of different topics. So if you go to peakcuriosity.com, there's a categories page to give you a head start into the subjects you're curious about. My husband and I had a really fun time making the descriptions for these categories. For example, for the politics and philosophy category, it's, quote, your opinion will be affirmed. I promise, end quote. And for memoirs, I have, quote, fun and entertaining stories about suicide, miscarriages, and child abuse, end quote. The website is also a really good central point for finding my contact info if you ever wanted to email me or if you'd like to offer any monetary support. Believe it or not, it is not free to put out podcasts. I'd like to, if a few more patrons sign up, to have a monthly or semi-monthly Zoom book club as well. I read a lot, but both have to and love to process those books with others. Looks like I've spent quite enough time on this intro, so let's get into this most controversial interview. Why don't you just tell my audience exactly who you are? So uh, my name is Ammon Bundy. Telling exactly who I am might be difficult because uh, I might not fully know that. But I grew up in southern Nevada on a ranch. I'm the third son of Clive and Bundy, who kind of became famous because the federal government tried to take our ranch and he stood against them. In 2014, I come and helped and support him and just threw my family into the national uh, limelight. And um, and uh, from there, you know, um, several things happened. But prior to that, I was just a father, a husband, got six children, married to Lisa, and I was a businessman that uh, – like I said, grew up on the ranch, but had to leave the ranch to go make a living. Uh, the ranch wasn't big enough 
to provide a living for all of my father's children. So went into fleet maintenance and built up a commercial fleet maintenance company. And, uh, you know, it ended up being a, a really nice business in Arizona. And I, and I also built uh, software, uh, multi, I built three different softwares. Uh, I got introduced to it uh, through the fleet maintenance industry. I saw a need and uh, put a team together and I built a software to fill that space. And since then I built two other softwares. So I'm kind of a, you know, originated on the ranch in Southern Nevada, uh, went out into business and then even got into the tech side of things. So that's who I am. Um, I've, uh, like to say that I've stood for people's rights all over the West, um, mostly from government abuse and uh, been successful at doing that, but also have paid a high price. Uh, spent two years in prison, uh, never convicted of a crime, uh, but still had to spend that time in federal prison, which was very difficult. Uh, and um, I did that, again, standing for other people's rights to property rights and and uh, just the abuse that I saw uh being placed upon them from, you know, mostly the federal government, but recently a local, you know, state government as well. Sure. And you're running for governor of Idaho in 2022. I am. Yep. We'll sum it up with that. I'm running for governor of Idaho. Uh, um, I'm uh, right now running on the Republican ticket and the primaries are in uh, May. And then the generals are in November. Uh, How long have you lived in Idaho? I have lived in Idaho almost seven years. Okay. Uh, Yeah, we're coming on seven years. I moved in 2015 uh, to Idaho, and I've lived in the same place uh, since the day we moved here in Emmett. Oh, you're only in Emmett. Okay. Yep, I'm not very far. No, we're almost neighbors. We can, we can almost use ham radios, you know, like shortwave radios to, to do this. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I am not very far from you. Cool, cool. Uh, I'm curious about this software. Software that does what specifically? So it's a fleet maintenance shop management software uh, where uh, – so if someone is in the in – the, uh, space of managing maintaining commercial trucks and they have a shop and they're managing other people's trucks or their own trucks and they have a shop it basically takes care of you know managing all the like tracking all the maintenance um also you know issuing work orders it's all paperless um uh communicating with the vendor the parts uh you know suppliers the technician and then it it bills everything and uh, just wraps it all up in a nice package and makes it very easy to be in business in the uh, fleet maintenance uh, space. Hmm. That's super cool. It sounds like you've got it going on personally. So why ruin it by becoming a politician? That is a very good question. And I understand your sentiment. Uh, But I also, after what had happened to my family, and what I've seen happen to many other people's family. And then what went on and transpired, uh, you know, 2020 and all this, what I call COVID garbage. Um, I could see that it wasn't, it wouldn't matter how much wealth or 
you know, assets. I, I, um, uh, I guess, um, built, um, no matter, it wouldn't even matter, you know, what type of life I built, uh, these people were going to, you know, try to destroy it, try to take it, um, try to, you know, call it their own. Uh, and I saw very much a need, uh, to unite people in a strong enough fashion that we could defend ourselves against it. Uh, and I did, uh, do that and we did make some good headway, uh, by creating uh, an organization or really a network. It's not an organization, but a network called the people's right, people's rights. And, uh, which is a network of about 65,000 people uh, that are connected and willing to stand for each other's rights. However, I could see that there was never going to be a fast enough unity in a, in a concentrated enough area to really be able to, you know, combat and defend against some, you know, either a world power or a national power or even a state power. And understanding the Constitution quite well, because I've done a lot of studying on that, and I had to in order to defend, you know, my family and our position and all of that, you know, I understand clearly that the whole purpose of the state of Idaho or any state is to defend and secure the rights of the people. And so this is my effort to get in in control of that 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 uh, entity, if you will, that structure, and and to start uh, using it for the right purpose, which is to defend ourselves against the federal government, the Biden administration, or any other administration, uh, to defend you know against any other entity that might come and try to you know take our rights to worship, travel, to freely trade with each other to be able to decide when we're going to have children, how many children, you know, all those things. Uh, the state was designed to say, look, people have a right to be free. That right was given to them from God and stand as a defense against anybody uh, who would try to take that. And so this is, you know, a last ditch effort of trying to make sure that the state uh, getting the state to actually do what its intention was or is. Gotcha. Have you run for governor before? No. No? No. I, I thought I'd seen run. your signs around before this year. Well, I have been very active. I started in June. Okay. So I have, you know, I knew that I had a lot of narrative to overcome. I knew I had to, you know, I've never run for office, so I had to build a, a team and I had to build uh, you know, a, a platform and all of that. And so we started early and yeah, we've, we've done some, um, you know, just some statistics and stuff and we have, yeah, by far, you know, over double any other uh, candidate out there as far as, uh, you know, uh, yard signs and, and shirts and t-shirts and hats and all of that. Cause we started early. Gotcha. Cool. Let's go back to the beginning with this uh, Nevada debacle. Could you give just like a little, the, the short version, because we don't have a ton of time. <laughs> right. uh, the short version, and then you said you were in prison for two years, but not convicted. Were you supposedly awaiting trial, or what was the two-year thing about? Yeah, so I'll answer the second question first. Yes, 
we were, you know, accused and they threw us in federal prisons and just kept us there um, trying to get to trial. Uh, ultimately, we went through two trials, one in Oregon and then one in Nevada. And uh, we, the first trial, we were acquitted on all charges by a Portland jury, uh, which was kind of crazy. But, uh, you know, we were innocent. And then the second one, we, we got in the middle of trial and their case just imploded because we began to expose, you know, just the corruption and wickedness and the, you know, collusion and conspiracy from, you know, just trying to destroy my family. And so it got so bad that the judge was like, look, I'm not going to go down with this ship. And she dismissed the case. I went to the Ninth Circuit. They, they were like, we're not going to go down with this ship. And they dismissed it with prejudice. Um, and, well, she dismissed it with prejudice, and then they upheld that dismissal with prejudice on the Ninth Circuit level. And so, yeah, we walked out of the federal prisons without even a misdemeanor after holding us for two years. They spent $100 million trying to prosecute my family. Wow. And most of the time I was in solitary confinement, well, a majority of the time. And, um, and also, uh, we were facing 106 years of minimum sentencing. It was just a big lie that they were trying to, you know, um, sew together with their, with basically the power they had. So that, that's, that's the answer to your first question. The, the second, or the, or excuse me, the second question. The first question is basically my family went into the Southern Nevada area when no one else wanted it. It was a dry, abandoned desert that everybody says was uninhabitable. We went there in 1877. Uh, now it's at 146 years ago. We began to run cattle there. Uh, when, when the state of Nevada made it possible, we, we deeded our rights with the state of Nevada. We still hold those deeds today. And basically, make a long story short, you know, about a hundred years after us being there, the federal government came in, or over a hundred years, the federal government came in and said that it belonged to them. And there's been this dispute back and forth for, you know, twenty plus years, and ultimately they said they were going to use force uh, to try to take it. My dad just wasn't willing to yield, and it didn't matter what we, you know, it didn't matter if we showed them how long we've been there. Didn't matter how we could show them the, all the improvements and everything that we've done. Didn't matter if we even showed them the deeds from the state of Nevada. They didn't care. They were going to take it anyway. So it ended up being kind of a showdown uh, standoff in 2014. And they began to kill the cattle and put them in mass graves, shoot them with, with helicopters, leaving the baby calves out in the desert to die, um, destroying our water infrastructure and our krill systems and all of that. And then they took it to another level where they began to, people began to protest and began to beat the protesters, throw them on the ground, tase them, arrest us. And ultimately, the American people had a, a, a stomach full of that. And they started coming and supporting us. And, you know, we were amassing thousands of people and the federal government decided they better back down. And they did and left the area. And then two years later, they arrested us for it. What exactly were your charges at the time of arrest? Uh, you know, conspiracy to intimidate and use force upon federal officers, a conspiracy to, um, what was the word, uh, to um, 
basically prohibit federal officers uh, from, you know, performing their duty, all of these things. There was 19 charges and, and the minimum sentences, uh, you know, added up to 106 years. For you and someone else or multiple someone? Just me personally, like, and then every, every person was facing 106 years of minimum sentencing. So, yeah, I mean, they were trying to take our entire life away. And they spent $100 million prosecuting us. Uh, and we we beat them twice in their own courts, um, you know, uh, under terrible circumstances. We were in solitary confinement most of the time. Never once was able to have any contact, you know, physical contact with our wife or children the entire two years. Um, anyway, but we, we beat them. We, we beat them and we beat them bad. Yeah, thank God for that. Um, yep, exactly. What, if anything, th- did they do about that? Do they have to pay any retribution back to you? Or do they just say, let's pretend this didn't happen? Pretty much, let's pretend it didn't happen. I mean, basically what they do is they make you go back into the courts under a civil suit type of situation you know, we're talking about, you know, millions of dollars and years and year decade, probably before we'd ever see any type of payout. And we just decided, you know what, we, we never asked for this in the first place. All we wanted to do is live our lives. And we could spend the next decade trying to get ret- you know, get retribution and, and maybe never, ever get it. And so we just went back to a lot of lives. My dad went back to ranching. I went back to business and that's just what we did. Yeah. Man, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the solitary confinement like? Did they allow you to even have books or did you just like literally have to be there by yourself and quiet? So most of the time I, I was allowed to have reading material limited. Uh, not all the time. Um, it's a, uh, most of them are about a seven by 10 concrete box. You have no, you can't, you know, see the sunlight or you don't know, you know, really anything. You don't have any communication with any other, uh, person. And, you know, you're just in there 24, seven, seven days a week, you know, month after month after month. Um, and you know, the, about the best interaction you have with anybody is when they, push the food tray through the little, uh, food port. Uh, and that's about it. Uh, and I spent, uh, you know, about a year in solitary confinement. Yikes. Hmm. Yeah. The U S government doesn't torture. Uh, no. Yeah. I could tell you, Oh, if solitary confinement was just the, the, you know, just all they did, you know that and not that alone would be terrible torture, but that's not all they did. Um, and you know, so anyway, yeah, I could I could tell you right now that the very tools that are used to torture, to get information, to get people to break, are being used in our in our prisons right here in the United States, and at, at a at a pretty common level. I mean, they do it; it's very common. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, super quick note. Um, there is this guy, I cannot remember his name, but I've heard his interview on Jordan Peterson's podcast and he was 
imprisoned in Guantanamo Bay for 14 years, being tortured by solitary confinement and then also beatings. And it was just because he was related to somebody who worked with, I think, Saddam Hussein. So it was just mm. like, surely you're part of it, and it's 9-11 and someone's got to pay, and looks like it's you, because you're the yep. only one we can get our hands on. What a mess. Okay. So, upon winning election, will you personally inject pharmaceutical drugs into each Idahoan's arm? I personally will not do that, and I will personally use the you know, the force of the state within my jurisdiction, because I do believe that, you know, we, we have um, a whole bunch of people for, forgot that the people that whole bunch of these individuals in government have forgot that the people put rules on them. And I don't want to be part of that. So uh, within my jurisdiction and authority will protect the people of Idaho from these things, certainly from the federal government, just a flat no. You will not do that. We will stop the funding from the federal government that pushes our corporations and our hospitals and our other institutions from doing that. You stop that funding. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in general, any funding going to any from the state to corporations or hospitals, you know, will also be used to say, look, you, you know, if anybody tries to mandate these things, these funds will not be available to you. And, uh, you know, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. So uh, they're getting a lot of the funding from the CARES Act, right? They are. Governor Little's received $18 billion that we know of so far. That's with a B, $18 billion. billion? And it's supposed to go to hospitals, right, if they have a COVID patient. And is it for also like small business loans? Yeah, so now th that's separate from the $18 billion that Governor Little received because these hospitals can apply, you know, and get, you know, uh, these funds for every COVID patient that comes in um, for these ventilators. And, of course, now they have this new variant, Amicron. I mean, it's just, it's just also that they can continue to get these federal funds. And they'll just continue to make it up because, you know, the hospitals don't even have to be in business anymore. They've they're making more money. They don't have to treat anybody. They don't have to have patients. Uh, they, they can, they can just, I mean, they're rolling, rolling in the, in the, in the federal funds. And yeah, it goes directly to, to corporations and to other institutions. If they apply for it, um, they can get it directly. But the $18 billion is actually separate from that. And the governor formed a little committee of his buddies and even in his uh, own executive order, it says that they serve, those on this committee serve me at my pleasure. That's what it says. That's in executive order 202007, if you want to read it, 202007, um, that they serve him at his pleasure. And then together, serving him at his pleasure, they decide where this $18 billion goes. And they've completely circumvented the legislature, because that's the way funds are supposed to be spent right through the legislature so they've i mean they've turned themselves into just like monarch that this little oligarchy that is getting all these funds has all this power and that they themselves decide how they use it and where they spend it are they allowed to take it personally 
You've cut out on me. I'm not oh. sure if it's me or you. Can you My hear bad. me now? Now? There we go. I think it was me. I don't know why. Okay. Uh, but me. Yep. Sorry. What was your question? Um, I forgot it. I got distracted. Oh, can they take any of the money personally or invest it into their own businesses? Is there any of that so, going on? I don't know. And we haven't seen that. Not like not directly. But what we have seen is where he takes the, these funds and he has appointed heads of these governments and these boards and these commissions. So Governor Little has appointed the heads of these people. And so then he funds it, these boards and commissions with tons of money now because they have they have so much money, they don't even know what to do with it. So they'll fund like the, you know, the, the board of this or the board of that. And he appointed this uh, head of this board, Jim, whatever, you know, say Jim Smith or whatever. And then what's, what we're seeing is now they got all these funds. They increase, they increase their wages. They increase their bonuses. They increase, you know, everything in there in that department. And then you see that this, say, say uh, Jim Jones or whatever, then all of a sudden now he's donating the maximum amount to Governor Little's campaign. Hmm. It's all legal, but it's still the cycle and, and distribution of these funds that they got from the federal government. And ultimately, who does it benefit? It benefits Governor Little. Yeah. Do you know if he's running again? I was doing some looking today and I didn't see anything. He has announced. He hasn't announced, but as an incumbent, you know, he's posturing and he's for sure, you know, he's already raised like almost a million dollars in campaign funds. And so, yeah, I mean, there's no reason for him to really announce because he's the incumbent. And, I see. And, uh, but, um, you know, by I think March 11th is when he has to, uh, fill the paperwork out. So he probably won't like officially announce. He'll just fill the paperwork out and then the campaign will start. Yeah. Um, he, he'll still have to be part of the primaries though. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 He'll have to be part of the Republican primary and, you know, he's, um, hoping to win that nomination and, and then go on uncontested pretty much into the, the generals. So, this is one of my biggest questions. I li- I'm quick to like people. I like people. But as soon as they start running for office, I start side-eyeing them. So, I mean, why should we trust you? Um, well, I, I don't think, you, you know, I don't think you should trust me. Uh, I don't think you should trust anybody in government. There's, there's checks and balances that are in place because we knew that all men are corruptible. Um, and where where there's more power, there's more uh, ability to be corrupted. Um, so the people shouldn't trust a politician. Uh, I will say this, you know, I do have uh, quite a history. By the fruits you shall know them, right? I do have a history of being under tremendous amount of pressure and not compromising. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust anybody with the force of law. I wouldn't trust anybody with the power of government. It's it's too much power to trust a person. Um, make sure that those checks and balances are in place. You know, make sure that that uh, you know that one person or one group of people don't have too much power. And that's what I'm breaking up. I'm I'm a disruptor. I'm gonna, I'm going in there and I'm disrupting. I'm shaking up the power. I'm going to push it back onto the legislature. Uh, who's supposed to, you know, among 105 people, distribute that power and be representatives of the people. And I also plan on restoring uh, 
the power that the people that belong to the people, because the executive branch of government, these bureaucracies, bureaucracies have usurped a lot of that power. Even in 2020, we saw that the Department of of Health and Safety thought that they can order us uh, to stay in our homes. Well, guess what? Uh, Director Jep, Jep, Jepins, I think is how you say it, and Governor Little, you don't have that authority. That belongs to me. That's my right. And so, uh, you know, th- those are the things that I'm doing. But don't ever trust me. Who do you think is your biggest competition in the race? Brad Little, Governor Little, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, he is the incumbent. Uh, he is going on a narrative that he saved Idaho. Um, and a lot of people believe him about 40% from what we're seeing, believe him. And so we have to basically overcome that, uh, by uniting, you know, true conservatives, uh, Republicans that lean more to conservative side because being Republican and conservative is not the same thing. Not even close, not even close. So, uh, you know, libertarians, uh, if we want to go to parties, you know, constitutional party, independent party, we also have a, a, a lot of unaffiliated voters and even conservative Democrats. We hope to unite them so that we can overcome this 40% base that Governor Little has basically in his pocket all the time because simply uh, they're just the establishment people. Yeah, yeah. They were. I mean, you think about it, you know, uh, I think it's, I don't want to throw this figure out there wrong, but uh, so don't quote me on it, but I think it's like 90,000 or maybe 70,000, 70,000 people uh, are employed by the state. I think 90,000 include the federal government in the state. So, I mean, just think of that voting block, you know, you have to overcome that voting block and governor little won the primaries in 2018 with 73,000 votes. Wow. But that's all he got. He got 73,000 votes. Raul got 68,000. Uh, Tommy Alquist got like 52,000. So, you know, that shows that his base basically is who got him in. And somehow we've got to overcome that base by uniting true conservatives, libertarians, you know, constitutionalists, and even conservative Democrats by uniting against him to break up this cabal that they have. They've, I mean, this establishment has been rooted in Idaho for, you know, four decades, a little over four decades now. And they basically have had their way. And the danger in that is that, you know, is because there hasn't been an, a power to check them or to kind of balance them, they've got away with things that they wouldn't have never got away with in other states. I mean, things that you would never believe have gone on in Idaho, or most people would not yeah. believe have gone on in Idaho. Yeah. Hmm. Ay, ay, ay. Uh, <laughs> if you don't win, who do you want to win? Um. I, I can't answer that question because I see no one in the race that's willing to take on the battle that needs to be fought. And so that's the reason why I entered. I thought, you know, I watched closely and thought, you know, is Janice McGean going to do that? And then I looked at her history and what she's done and 
there's no way I believe that she will. She's probably a nice person. I just don't see her in any way taking on any type of confrontation that really is uh, going to benefit the people. I look at Ed Humphrey. I like Ed. I think he has most of his principles pretty correct. And I say most, but he's young and he's unexperienced and he has no idea what kind of, you know, what kind of dragon that he, he would have to fight. He has just no idea, uh, you know, and I think he would be consumed in that. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, Brad Little is, has been the cause of so much, uh, trouble in Idaho. I mean, Idaho is the first state in the union since at least the civil war to arrest people for going to church. Uh, Idaho was the first state to have uh, a mother arrested for taking her children to the park. Uh, we were one of the first states to, uh, for the Idaho state police to raid businesses because they didn't lock down during the, you know, the governor's orders. Uh, and the list goes on and on. Governor Little was the first governor in the United States to outlaw uh, and restrict the use of hydroxychloroquine in Idaho, March 19th, 2020. I mean, these are, you know, we're we're at the top of the list here, and it's not a very good list. No. Okay. I need to write some of this down. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I did. A, I do. A, if you go to a, a virtual town hall, if you go to votebundy.com, go to events, and then go to the last virtual town hall I did. Go to virtual town hall and go to, uh, um, it was on the... 11th, January 11th, um, I really drill into this stuff and show documents and dates and all of that. So, you know, I, I try to make sure that everything that I say, I can back up with documents. And these are, these are state documents. They're, you know, official documents. They're not even, they're not even just reports and so forth. I'm backing them up with, you know, the, the, the Idaho state's own documents and, and uh, information. Cool. Uh, what's your strategy to try to get all of the new citizens of Idaho on board with you? Because what? It, how many ten thousand Californians or something move here last year? Like, uh, there's yeah, a lot more crazy. than that. You know, there's there's figures of uh, close to forty thousand um, moved here, and um, uh, so they're they're. Uh, they're a voting block that I hope to get. Um, they have seen what uh, California uh, has become. Uh, they've lived through it. And they see more clearly than anybody else that Idaho is following suit. And, uh, you know, I'm just being very loud about that. Um, uh, trying to get in front of them of saying, hey, look, you know, if we do not change the direction we're going, we will become another Oregon, Washington you know, California, Nevada, Colorado, New Mexico. I mean, the list goes on. I grew up in Nevada. And if you would have told me that Nevada was going to turn liberal in two decades, I would have said there's no way. I mean, Nevada was a very ultra conservative, rugged individualism type state with a, you know, a very deep conservative identity. And uh, now it's just... <sighs> on the verge of ultra liberal. Yeah. Hmm. Do you, you think the Californians will stomach voting Republican? Cause just like 
in the culture, people are like, mm, no, those Republicans are just the worst. I, like, I can't, I can't just bring myself to vote for them. Well, 64% of the people coming from California are conservatives. Um, and they, most of them are Republicans and they're fleeing because of that. Uh, now you're going to get your libertarians, you're going to get your, you know, just your independents. Uh, and then, of course, there's a, a smaller block that are actually Democrat. Um, and the interesting thing that they're fleeing the circumstances of California, but they're coming here because Idaho is starting to offer, you know, good food stamp programs, good, you know, government housing programs uh, and that type of stuff, which is kind of what I've been saying. Look, our, you know, our quote unquote Republican leaders in Idaho, they're not really Republican. They're, and they're certainly not conservative, but they're not even Republican. And they're they're they are making decisions that ultimately will destroy Idaho and, and turn it into a Oregon type uh, state, and that's that's the reality. That is that is the reality right now. And in fact, if you do the numbers and you um, calculate the statistics about those moving in uh, who are Democrat, and also a statistic that I. Um, that I use is that the Democrats outvote the Republicans three to one in the primaries. Yeah. And so you talk, yeah. And, and, you know, I don't, I had to repent of, of not voting. You know, I, I had to, you know, I had to repent of that, not be a hypocrite. I went registered to as a Republican and vowed to vote before that, you know, I didn't want nothing to do with government. I just got out of prison. Uh, and I had seen what government was all about, and I'd seen the force of government upon me and my family. And all I wanted to do is be left alone. And and I didn't even I refused to even register to vote. And I had to repent of that. So so I get in some way why conservatives and even conservative Republicans and others, libertarians and stuff, just say, "Look, I'm it's just it's just so corrupt. I'm not going to worry and about voting and all that." I get that. Um, however, the reality is, is that if we continue the direction we're going in 4.91 years, uh, the Democrats will control the Idaho elections. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so whether it's deserved or not, controversy just follows you everywhere. Uh do you think it would be really helpful for Idaho to have a chaotic, controversial government, at least who people are going to freak out about? Well, so I really appreciate that question. I do, because I am a very controversial person. Um, I have caused a lot of controversy. Um, and what I say that is I have seen injustices and I have stood against it. I have acted and I have acted in a way that I have rallied tens of thousands of people, even millions of people to, to the cause of one person or a, you know, a family or something. And that's when you do that against the most powerful government ever known to man, um, you cause controversy. And that, that's, that was intentional. Uh, one thing I will say though, and I would challenge anybody to dispute is whether I'm a uniter or not. 
I know how to unite people. It's a skill of mine that that I that has come become has been natural to me my entire life, and um, and I plan on using that skill uh, to unite people um, in Idaho and to get us going into one direction. Uh, the legislature needs leadership. I believe I can provide that. Uh, the le- uh, the the people of Idaho are looking for a uniter. Uh, it doesn't have to be just a um, you know a four or eight years in a governorship of you know controversy and and uh, disruption and all of that. Yeah, I'm going to certainly be doing a lot of stripping of power and so forth, but I will be doing it uniting the legislature and uniting the people in in a cause and in a, in a in a direction that will hopefully restore the conservative values here in Idaho and also create a refuge for liberty-loving people to live and live free within the bounds of the Idaho government or Idaho state. You remind me a lot of uh, Trump's 2016 campaign, which started out cool, sure did not end up in good. (laughs) So, I mean... Uh, I hope it works out better. <laughs> well, I was in prison at that time, so I didn't see how it started out. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I have heard people say the same thing that you have said, uh, comparison, comparing that period of time to what's happening now. You know, I, I can only hope that I stay focused on the purpose in which I'm running for governor. Uh, I have, I have a lot of confidence that I can uh, take the seat of governor. Uh, it's not going to be easy, um, but I see a path and I see it a very attainable thing. Um, I see people who all over the country, and I would say especially in Idaho, um, just because we kind of lean a little more right, if you will, than the rest of the country, I see a great you know, opportunity, a political climate that's never been there before. And I mean, I've said this in the open many times, two years ago, I would have never been electable. No, never would I've even been able to really probably get even a few percent. Um, But this ain't two years ago. Uh, We're in a time now, political climate now, where it's very possible that I could become a governor of, of the state of Idaho. And if I do, and if I that I'm not, you know, bosh it, that I will use for people. And that when I leave the officer, the office of governor, uh, the people's rights will be much more secure than going in. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about your plan? So you, I really appreciated how your website was so organized. I looked up some of the other candidates and their websites were a mess. But you have uh, your Keep Idaho, Idaho plan, which also sounds a lot like Make America Great Again, like very similar type idea. Um, I think, so So day one, you say your plan is to pass an executive order to end abortion. How do you think that's going to go over? Um, it's going to go over like, um, like the Declaration of Independence did <laughs> in the British government. <laughs> yeah. 
but we again we have a very strategic and a path that we're going to follow a very you know strategically legally legislatively and uh we're going to hold our ground we're going to fight that fight uh i i refuse to be a governor we're in the state we're paying for abortions we're in the state we're allowing these things to go on i i do feel that it is it is the duty of the state and i don't believe there's very many duties of the state but it is the duty of the state to protect life and uh i can't think of a more innocent life that needs to be protected so yeah so then i also will day one will end all the governor's emergency orders you know i'll just Wipe them clean. We will not be under it because we are still under those emergency orders still today. Uh, he has not lifted those. And uh, and I will end those. Um, I'll package up any federal funding that has been uh, given to us, along with all the memorandums of understanding, the contracts uh, that you know come along with those strings that come along with federal funds. I'll package them up and send them back to Washington, D.C. and say, you know, we're not going to comply and we're not going to take your money anymore. Um, and then actually at that point, I will, I'm not going to do a whole lot. I'm going to learn. I mean, I'll be busy. Don't get me wrong, but I'm going to learn, you know, who my enemies are, who my friends are, uh, you know, where the usurpations are, where the abuses are within the executive branch. And I will make a plan. It might take me two months. It might take me three, four, five, even six months to lay out that and then i will begin to act and i will continue to act you know according to the plan to according to our plan to um, minimize strip even diminish the bureaucracies of the executive branch uh to the point where they're not a threat to the people and also where they're not usurping the powers of the legislature and the powers of the people yeah so one of my favorite things on your plan page is uh, the abolition of property taxes and business taxes. So, yeah. I mean, and income tax too? Income tax for sure. Yeah, uh, okay. Property tax for sure. Um, you know, uh, we've, we've added in there, there's a, there's a, um, the state actually, there's another tax where the state wants to tax businesses for their assets. Um, uh, those things just have to be, they have to, you know, we're not a, we're not even a business friendly state, not at all. Uh, uh, you know, but let's, let's go to property tax. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe that the state, uh, should be taxing the people until they're dead, uh, for property. I, I believe that they're, you know, that, uh, that is what well, we know, uh, you know, if we back up all the way back to, let's say statehood, well, and you say, well, how is the the sheriffs and the schools, how are they supposed to get funding? Well, they were supposed to get their funding through what was called state lands. And that's every 10th parcel, which is every a parcel of 640 acres. Uh, every 10th uh, parcel was, uh, or section, I should say, it's called, excuse me, section. Every 10th section uh, was designated to this to be state land or what they call endowment land or education land and that was to generate revenue to pay for our public schools and to pay for you know things like our sheriff departments and so forth uh well they got lazy they didn't want to do that anymore so they just started taxing the people directly on their property and that didn't happen until 
the early 1900s. And so, uh, you know, this idea that we have to be taxed in order to pay for the legitimate purposes of government is a farce. Um, And I believe that there's better ways. I'm proposing better ways uh, so that we can uh, be free uh, from property tax. We can truly own our, our, uh, our, our homes um, and not allow to what's been going on. I mean, the elderly, especially are losing their homes every day to the state because they can't pay their taxes. Uh, It's crazy. Um, You know, you lose your job for a while and you lose your home. Uh, You could own that home. You could not even have a mortgage and you still lose it to the state. And it's just a Marxist uh, principle that we've built upon and we need to get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, for us, we pay approximately 22% in taxes and that's state and federal, but that does not include the property tax or sales tax. And I think, what did we spend? Like $3,000 in property taxes last year on our house? On our that house? sounds about average. Yep. That's about average. And yep. it puts such a bigger burden on my husband because he's having to make up so much more money to just pay the government. And I looked it up. It's like we spend at least one day every week or more working for the government. Yeah. yeah, And just, I've heard, yep. I'd rather if he had to work an extra day or not, if he had to not work, I would rather he were just home and we had the same amount of money he made in those other four days, or he could just work that extra day and then we could actually go do fun things. Yeah, well, you're. I think you're thinking right. Uh, um, that's the reality, and they there is no slowdown. Right, the federal government's going gangbusters. No, and and then I mean, what are you working for? You have to ask the question. I mean, the government was not supposed to be there uh, so that they can extract the wealth of the people. They were supposed to be there to protect the people in their wealth and it's just become mass backwards, you know? Yeah. And so I, you know, anyway, it's, these are the things that need to be straightened out and they're going to be a battle. People say, well, how are you going to do that? Well, I proposed how we're going to do it. And, and I've been very clear, it will be a battle, but that's what I've done. That's who I am. That's what I've become. I will battle for these things and it won't be for uh, my own, uh, power it'll be for the for the people i'm i i want to leave idaho much better than uh than what i came came to yeah yeah uh i hate to do this but we did break out a little bit on the first half of your answer do you want to repeat your first little bit um uh if when we were talking remember. about the whole property taxing or yeah or when did i break up it was right after I finished saying I'd rather my husband had an extra day home or yeah, about, well, yeah, I just, I, there. I just said that there's no, there's no end to it. You know, yeah. that one day, uh, the way that they're going will become two days, uh, two, two will become three. And, uh, you know, it's just contrary to the purpose in which government was, you know, established. The government was established to protect, your, you know, wealth, your, your rights, not to try to, you know, profit from it or expand. Uh, and so, 
anyway, that's, uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm running. Uh, so one of your ideas of how to replace that tax income that, I mean, if you want to pay for policemen or parks and some necessary government functions, the money's going to have to come from somewhere. So you propose sales tax. We already pay 6%. Do you think it would have to go up to maybe more like even 10 or 12 to cover that? No. So I'm, I'm proposing that it's a function tax or a transfer tax just when you buy property. Oh, okay. uh, so like, let's say, uh, so let's just use the math easy. I, I don't like the figure 5%. I think it's too high, but it's easy math. Okay. So the average home in Idaho is 400,000 right now, $400,000 for the average home in the treasure Valley. It's 540,000, but let's take that $400,000 home. And the average person right now pays two to $3,000 in property tax a year, uh, depending on the county. And so over a 30-year period of time, you're talking about sixty to $90,000 would go to the county for you know, purposes of government. Now, we can talk about whether it's legitimate or whether that's too high, but let's just keep in mind that sixty to $90,000 off a $400,000 home. Um, so let's take that same four but the, the problem is is you you are always paying on those taxes forever forever i mean doesn't matter if you're 99 years old or if you're 19 you're going to pay those taxes so and that's the problem so now let's replace it with what i'm proposing as a transfer tax or a consumption tax so when you buy a home that four hundred thousand dollar home let's say you pay five percent which i think is a little too high but it's easy math so that'd be twenty thousand dollars you would pay that at the time you purchased. It could be rolled into the mortgage. So you've the state's paid. You no longer owe taxes on it. The state's paid. Yeah, you have to pay your mortgage just like normal, and that twenty thousand is in that mortgage. But but you once you pay off the mortgage, you own the home. Now, of course, you're probably thinking, well, twenty thousand is a long shot away from sixty to ninety thousand. But you have to calculate that the average home sells three to five times in Idaho in a thirty year period of time. Thirty year period. So that would replace it, the income going to the state from sixty or from, you know uh, from sixty to ninety thousand to sixty to one hundred twenty thousand uh, in a thirty year period. And so, but the benefit is, is you own your home. You the state can't take your home, and if you decide to stay there and live there the rest of your life, you own it. Um, people are still going to be buying and selling property. And that's how the, the the county will pay for the legitimate purposes of, of government. Sure. Okay, so you have to clear me up on this one. So over a lifetime in one home or just of, over a lifetime over any home that you stay in in Idaho, you'll pay up to 90000 in taxes? Or is that if you're in yeah, one so home? That's one home. Um you know, over a 30 year period of time, one home over 30 years up to 90,000. Yeah. 60 so, to 90,000 is the average that is paid. Yep. But you're comparing that to getting still 60,000. If that same home was sold three times to three different individuals. Correct. Okay. 
and if it sold five, it's 120,000. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and that's what the average home sells three to five times in Idaho in a 30 year period time period. So just using, you know, the, the averages of what's going on in Idaho right now, we can replace property tax with a consumption tax and we, and we own our homes. We, we don't have to, uh, you know, we don't have to, we just change the way that uh, the state's collecting the funds uh, to protect our right to our property. Yeah. Um, don't you think we have enough people trying to move here? I think if you do that, it's not going to help the problem. <laughs> we don't have enough well, homes already. So, <laughs> so that, is, that is the reality. But, you know, think about what you're saying. You're saying, well, if we're more free, you know, then people will also want to be more free and they'll move here. And that is certainly the truth, but it's not a reason not to be more free. Yes, indeed. And so, you know, there are there are unintended consequences to being free. We saw that the early ages of this country, and we were the most free uh, pro- and prosperous people in, in, in the world. And so people f- fled here. And to the point where, you know, the United States in 1905 was the, made up about 6% of the world's population. And we were producing over 50% of the world's goods. We were the most wealthy nation ever, it's, you know, in the history of mankind. Um, and it was generated by individuals, uh, not just by, uh, you know, uh, a lot, uh, the government or a large entity. And so we're still living off that wealth. Uh, so, yeah, we have to say, yeah, there are, there are going to be realities um, you know, I will. I will place a little reality. I, I definitely don't, in any way, want Idaho to become this. But I mean, in any stretch of the imagination. But we were doing the the numbers, uh, and right now, with 1.8 million people and the size of Idaho, each person, man, woman, and child, can own uh, just shy of uh, 30 acres. So each person. That would be awesome. Uh, yeah. So. I mean, I'm not proposing that we do that. I'm just saying, because some people don't want 30 acres. You know, a household doesn't want 60 or 90 acres. But that's the reality. That's how spread out we are. We're uh, And kind of to compare it, you compare it to like Great Britain. Well, Idaho has 83,000 square miles in it. Great Britain has 50,000 square miles in it. <laughs> and we have 1.8 million people. And Great Britain has 55 million people. Wow, that's crazy. And so, so uh, yeah, we there's we want low population. We we love Idaho the way it is. We want to keep it that way. But there is a lot of room to grow, and still not lose our conservative identity. Still not lose our little towns to spread out rather than build up. To build out rather than build up, which is another point of my Keep Idaho Idaho plan that we must get our um, our lands back and take them back from the federal government so that we can do many, many things. And one of those is not become congested cities, metropolitan areas, and just living and climbing all over each other. Yeah. Now, what are you going to do about the uh, the people that will just scream, 
the he hates the poors. He doesn't want the rich to pay taxes. He hates education. He doesn't want you to have education. He doesn't want there to be welfare, which you don't. But like but pointing it as this guy just hates everyone and is selfish and wants to keep his own money. What's your plan to deal with that inevitable? Well, a good, so like a good example is uh, a couple of days ago, I went downtown across the Capitol building and they have like this, a whole bunch of tents and homeless kind of demonstration there across from the Capitol building. And I went down there I spoke to them and I wanted to understand what it was all about. And sure enough, it was exactly what I thought. They're trying to demonstrate and show their presence and kind of be uh, disruptive in that way so that they can get more government subsidies. So they could get more, you know, uh, one was pushing for like a a check that they they just sent them every week or every month, just a, a check from the state. And and so I, I spoke out about that and people will say, well, oh, you hate the homeless. You know, you hate the homeless. Well, that, that's not at all the case uh, because just around the corner, there is a uh, private uh, charitable organizations, uh, mostly churches that uh, take these homeless in and they have more than enough room to take them in. They have the capacity of holding 500 people, and they were at 300. And this is in the coldest part of winter. So uh, there was room, and there has been always room for, and that's not tax-funded. That's not government-funded. That is private-funded. And that is the way that charity is supposed to be offered. Otherwise, it's not charity. Welfare is not charity. Welfare is pointing the gun at someone's head and saying, give me your money. And then they take most of it and they redistribute a little bit of it. Charity is when someone willingly gives up funds to help the poor. I am all about that. I believe in that. I I believe that it is required by our creator, by God himself, that we share the goods that we have been blessed with, with the poor. Um, there is no role for government in that. And that, that, so that, that is my, you know, strict answer. Um, when it comes to education, well, education is the transfer of inform- you know, of knowledge from one person to another. Um, it, 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 the, the key to education is time. It's not money. Uh, and we need to understand that. Uh, we think our, our, our you know, elected representatives right now think the key to education is money. It's not. It's the transfer of knowledge from one person to the other. And that takes time. And so stop this where we're spending two-thirds of our, you know, state annual budgets uh, on education. And it doesn't mean that I hate education. It's very important. But there's no more important education than the parents educating their children. And when we're taxing people to death where they have to spend a day out of the week away from their homes, we're taking that time away that they can be educating their children and transferring knowledge onto their young children especially. And then when they get older, we need to foster the circumstances and the time in which those that have skills and knowledge that need to prepare our children into the future uh, to be able to do that. And it's not a matter of money. And uh, so, you know, these are the practical things that I will be bringing into it, into administration uh, as governor uh, in Idaho if I, if I win the seat. 
Um, one of the other things that you want to help solidify are parental rights. Um, does this just mean you want abusive parents to have no accountability? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, I'm all about that. I, you know, I want parents beating their children and, and, uh, you know, hurting their children. Um, so anyway, hopefully you get the, uh, <laughs> I mean, I really, that's not a, it's not something to even joke about. Um, I will point out this and that does happen. Uh, but there, there are mechanisms to, to, uh, to I, not prevent, uh, because you can't prevent that. You can, uh, you can, um, deter. That's the right word that I'm after. Uh, but, and you do that by, uh, punishing or by, con- you know, going through the processes to, uh, conviction process, uh, through a perpetrator that would harm your own child. Those mechanisms have been there for hundreds, uh, over 200 years. And we don't need, the, and that is, is if a person harms another person, uh, then the law can step in and require the person to restore the damages back and punish the person through a tri- through trial and conviction. Th- that's no different. If a parent, you know, damages or harms a child, well, we have mechanisms to, you know, stop that, to deter that, and to uh, punish the person for doing that. But what we've done here is we think we got to create all these other bureaucracies. And all it is is a jobs program. And then all it is is a, a way for the state to abuse more and more people. Um, and um, including like people like to decide to homeschool their children. And so the state says in some way that, or maybe they decide to, that they want to medicate their children uh, differently than, you know, quote unquote, modern medicine. Um, these are decisions that parents have a right to make. That right came from God, not from the state. And if somehow they're abusing their child, then we have these mechanisms such as prosecution and a jury of their peers deciding uh, that can always be used. These other bureaucracies, CPS, family courts, those are all things that are just ripe for corruption and abuse. And that's what they they have become. Yeah. So which parental rights specifically are you wanting to... uh... What's my word? I have no words. Uh, protect. Secure, protect. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, all of them. the right, you know, the right to uh, educate, the right to um, um, teach, uh, the right to, uh, uh, you know, raise your children, the right to, uh, to, you know, decide medical decisions for their children, all of the those parental rights uh, need to be uh, stood for. The state should protect all those rights. And, and um, so, you know, we, we see a circumstance like what governor little has done in, in 2020, where he said under emergency orders, I, I have the power to suspend uh, certain administrative rules and uh, several of those rules he suspended uh, uh, were rules that protected the parents' rights when the state uh, takes custody of a child. 
uh, and you know these things are dangerous. Why he did that, I have my, uh, you know, I have my uh, guess. Um, and but it's very dangerous when the state thinks that they can, through emergency, you know, executive orders or any other means, can can uh, take the rights of parents away. Um, the only way that a parent's right can can be rightfully be taken away is the same way that uh, uh, rights can be taken away from any person. And that is when they infringe upon other people's rights. And besides that, there is no authority from the state to, to take rights or to even defend, uh, a, you know, defend other people's rights. Yeah. How much more time do you have? Do we need to wrap up? I have very little. Yeah, I probably should wrap up. Yeah, I should probably wrap up here soon. We should probably wrap up here soon. Okay. Okay. Um, I have half my questions left, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, well, maybe we'll have to do it again. Okay. Yeah, we can do it again. Um, why don't you finish off with anything you'd like to say? And then I have a, I have a couple questions I just ask everybody that are completely random and silly. So okay. go ahead. Well, uh, of course, I want to pitch my website, votebundy.com. Uh, I want you to go there and look at the Keep Idaho, Idaho plan and the material that is there. Um, I want people to share in the uh, expense of running my campaign by donating uh, if, if, if you think that what I'm saying is worth anything. And you might even say, well... Um, you know, I really like what he's saying. It's very important what he's saying. Um, I don't know if he can win under the conditions. Uh, you know, I would I would like to convince you otherwise that I, I, I do have a real amazing chance here. But even if you're saying that, uh, donate because of my because of what I'm my message. And that gives me the power to spread my message much further, uh, to be able to continue to travel, to continue to create media continue to uh, spread that media around. And so uh, share in that uh, messaging um, by donating. And, uh, you know, just all in all, I believe Idaho is a wonderful place to live. I believe Idaho is a beautiful idea um, along with a beautiful land and a, and a you know, a wonderful people. And, uh, Idaho needs to be different. Uh, Idaho needs to be a refuge for people to be able to live here that want to worship how they want to worship. They want to travel. They want to trade with each other, be free. Uh, they want to raise their families. They want to keep the fruits of their, their, uh, their, of, of their labors. And I believe Idaho needs to be that, that state. And I believe it can be, and it can be that example to the rest of the world of how prosperity and freedom is, uh, is preserved and how it is maintained. And so overall, that's my message. Awesome. Okay. We'll start with my first silly question. Uh, do you prefer the office or parks and rec? <laughs> the office of parks and rec. I have to admit, I have watched almost none of either one of them. I had a feeling that was going to be your answer. <laughs> in fact, in fact, I when you first asked the question, I had to like go, "Oh yeah, those are like TV series." So, like 
that's how familiar I am, I am with them. <laughs> well, I think you might actually like Parks and Rec because there's one character, Ron, who's a libertarian. Who, okay. He works there. Awesome. And his whole thing is, I want this government to fail. So, like, I will make this department as, uh, what's the word, like, inefficient as possible. Like, and just everywhere <laughs> he can, he's just messing he's it a, up. Yeah. He's a covert, covert hostile. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, let's see. My next one is, do you believe that Genesis chapters 1 to, through 11, the obviously the beginning to Noah – is that history or is it mythology? I believe it's history. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, do you think that there are aliens? I do. Uh, probably not in the case of like the way a lot of people like green men running around uh, or green men and women. I don't know about that. I do believe that other, other planets are inhabited. Cool. Cool. Not very many people answer that like that i like it um my last one a little bit more serious is who or what inspires you to be your best oh it would it would have to be my my family actually um you know my my children my my wife um uh i think overall the difficulty of like not being able to spend the time that i would like to spend with them uh, through this process and in previous engagements that I've been engaged in um, has, has been the hardest. And so, yeah, my family, um, you know, pleasing uh, God and my family are, are very important to me and, and drive me to want to be a better person. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you for coming on to my podcast. I had a good time. I did too. Thank you very much. Yep. Okay. okay. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. You have a good day. You too.